0: It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Eat me now. I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. And today it is presented by BetQL. Why BetQL? Because it is opening day, opening night of Major League Baseball. The NBA will be here before you know it. And I don't know a whole lot about betting those sports. Thankfully, I've got all the numbers crunchers, all the dudes, data dudes at BetQL. They got algorithms. I don't even know really what algorithms are, but they sound good. And I think they help you. And you should get some. You should get some BetQL Algorithms. The BetQL app, or you can go to betql.co. The enter code ROSS20, by the way, you get 20% off your first payment. These guys, I'm telling you right now, they have a five-star bet on tonight's Nationals-Yankees game. So, shout out to betql.co or the BetQL app. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Five teams, seven years, classic journeyman. Now I got a bunch of podcasts. Yesterday, Steve Fezzik and I went over a whole bunch of things. Why he's into prop betting more than anything else for the NFL these days. What he thinks is a home field advantage. Then he had his best bet for baseball and the NBA. We also talked to Andrew Brandt on the Ross Tucker football podcast to get the latest from him. With the NFL-NFLPA negotiations tomorrow, we will have Greg Cosell, the GOAT, on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast diving into the importance of both man-to-man coverage and interior pass rush in the NFL these days. With every passing year, those two things become more and more important. You can get at me, as the kids say, at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, even YouTube is youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL if you want to watch this bad boy. Uh, I will say this, intern Casey, who is wonderful, she is a figure skater at Penn State University, what she's done with our social media clips and platforms is next level. You can check those out at Ross Tucker Pod. We do not have Joe today. Joe is moving from central Pennsylvania to South Carolina. His wife got a job down there. So we're letting Joe get settled a little bit. And instead, we are bringing on Ian Harditz from Pro Football Focus. You can check him out on Twitter at iHarditz. Harditz like Cheez-Its. You guys probably didn't know that. I've known that for a long time. Like seven minutes maybe, not even. Cheez-Its, by the way, Ian. Can we talk about Cheez-Its for a second? Delicious. Absolutely, Ross. <laughs> Always have been. Always will be. And what's weird to me about Cheez-Its or like Doritos is those are my go-tos and staples. 35 years ago when I was six years old, and I'm open, Ian. I I try new things. There is still not a better chip than a Dorito. There is still not a better snack cracker than a Cheez-It. And I'm not even sure anything even comes close to those two. It's kind of weird if you think about it. Yeah, you did not
1: take long to get these hot takes going, man. Personally, I'm still a pretzel guy to my core. And like you said, man, I've been having these things since I was six years old. I try new things. You know, I, I, I try to be the millennial trying out, you know, guacamole and all these weird things. I want pretzels. And as disgusting as it sounds, man, cottage cheese, amazing dip for almost any cracker. Take my word for it.
0: Wow, that is interesting. I have not tried that. In a long time. Very interesting. By the way, speaking of interesting, you guys slacked on the Best Ball 10 this week. Significantly. I'm not even announcing any winners. I'm announcing the final four winners to be in the Best Ball 10 draft with me and Joe Dolan next week. Because, I don't know, I got maybe one entry this week. You guys got to be kidding me. All you have to do is go to fantasypoints.com, use the code FEAST, and sign up. That's it. You don't even need to pay yet. Just go to FancyPoints.com and sign up using the code FEAST and send it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com. I'm announcing the final four winners. These are the final four people to go into the best ball draft with me and Joe next week because you guys, nobody wanted it this week. You got to want it. I'm not just giving them away. You got to want it. So next Thursday, we'll see what you guys have. All right. So Ian, a bunch of things to talk about. And I thought you had been on the podcast before, so we talked about it, but it was actually, I guess, at this point, probably like 16 months ago, maybe, I, almost a year and a half ago, you came on to talk with me and Evan about the AAF. You were a big AAF guy.
1: Yeah, man, i miss it, and uh, the XFL as well. I was getting into it's just one of those things where when you have February, March, April to break down all these rookies. I don't know. I had some time. To, I had some time to kill on you know some live uh, football going on as well. So it's funny, man. Some of this news about the XFL like still being somewhat alive. I figured after you know this year, pipe dream of spring football was dead. But hey, you know, weirder things have happened.
0: So refresh my memory on your background. And you just moved over to PFF recently, right? So refresh my memory on your background and then how'd you get the PFF gig? What are you doing for Yeah, so I've been
1: in the industry since I was about 19 years old. Reached out to everyone I could find and said, hey, let me do free research for you. You talk it write, do whatever you want. Luckily, Jonathan Bales gave me a chance, worked at Fancy Labs and Action Network for a few years after consulting. uh, uh I was never, you know, you call yourself, you're being nice, call yourself a journeyman, NFL player. Man, I was a D3 football flameout, so I would give anything to be what your definition of a journeyman is. So that's awesome. But uh, yeah, so once I stopped playing football, you know, had to get in the writing game, been loving every second of it. But, yeah, switched to uh, Roto World after uh, my Fantasy Labs uh, gig over in the last year. And then I've been at PFF now for almost a month. So been moving around a little bit in recent years, but been talking just football all, all, all the way.
0: Well, PFF's a a great place to be, so kudos to you for that. And uh, we were texting back and forth to get some different ideas for the show, and you wanted to talk about your fantasy strategy. My question is, is it specific to 2020? Because we were texting and you said you got some running back thoughts. Do you have strategies, uh, Ian, I'll start with this, that are specific to this season because there's no preseason games, because no OTAs and minicamps, because there's only going to be eight padded practices before week one, is that affecting your strategy for this season at all? I think it has to. I mean, it's new
1: information, and we just need to work with the new information the best we can. And in general, I mean, even before all this stuff became more clear to us, just going through some of these best ball drafts and things, you get to round four or five, and you just look at the running back landscape, and you're like, where the hell did all these starters go? And it's gotten even worse now that people kind of realize that RBs are flying off the board. So, you know, there's there's just a big crowd out there that preaches zero RB every single year. And, hey, if you're out there trying to win one of these million dollar best ball tournaments where you need to separate yourself from the pack i get it be contrarian, and do something different but if you're just in you know a 12 team league with the buddies from back home go get your studs early please do not pass up on you know saquon or zeke for some wide receiver just because of this strategy so i think you know just continuing to hone in on the running backs but let the draft come to you and see what's there now ross the question i have with you and especially related uh, to the a uh, lot of points you were making yeah i'm kind of almost wondering if I should be going back on the rookie thoughts because at first I was thinking, okay, rookies, we always kind of tend to overprice them anyway. You know, again, focusing on them for three months out of the offseason, hard not to be excited about what they do in year one. But now with no preseason and everything, at first I was thinking, okay, bad. Bad situation, they're not going to have any time to get chemistry. But now maybe they just have to be thrown out there because they're not even going to have a time to lose their job. Are you approaching rookies as stayaways, or will maybe be more okay than we're giving them credit for?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say, in general, I would be fading. Now, look, there's there's a point for all of these things, right? There, there's value for all of them if they drop far enough. Sure. But I've been telling people I'm fading rookies. I'm even not as high on second-year guys as I would normally be. You know, I personally experience, I've seen a lot of people experience a big, jump from year one to year two I made an enormous jump but part of that was building up the confidence after going through my rookie year in OTA's mini camp and like so here's the reality when when I was a rookie I was just what is going on I'm trying to make the team whatever but then after I had a full season under my belt lifted weights for four months when we came back for the start of year two I really felt like I belong. Like, I'm as good as any of these guys. I should start. Like, it was just a different mindset. So, I don't know how much, if any, of that year two boost, year two bump, year two jump, whatever you want to call it. I don't know how much these guys will lose as a result of no preseason games, no offseason program. I don't think it's a lot. But I do think it's something. I do think it's a, a there's a little bit of value there. Yeah. I think it's more for rookies. You know, eight padded practices for rookies before they go out there. Whoa. I mean. That is brutal. So, so I, I'm nervous about for those guys. And there will be guys that are studs and they're able to overcome and they're good anyway. The other things that I'm hesitant on this year are, you know, skill guys that are in new places because they're just not going to get the same amount of reps to be as comfortable in the new system or with the new quarterback for a tight end or wide receiver. You know, the other thing to look at too, Ian, is offensive line continuity and chemistry. You know, I, I like that the Jets threw a lot of resources at it, but those guys aren't getting a chance to really play together and know each other all that well. Whereas you look at some of these other teams, Raiders all five back, Chiefs, basically all five guys back, Colts all five back. You know, that's something that I'm taking into account as well. So what I am preaching is continuity, chemistry, experience over new coaching staffs, new quarterbacks, uh, skill guys in new places, rookies, and young guys. Now, like we said earlier, you know, certain guys drop to a certain point. I'm taking them. I'm just saying – Those are the slight adjustments I am making with when I'm when I'm doing these best ball drafts.
1: It's uh, it's interesting to bring up the continuity. I just did an article looking at pretty much exactly that, which teams have had changes in coaching staff, offensive line. Then I looked at the QBs and receivers and Good God, man, if we thought the Chiefs were scary these last two seasons, they brought back everyone this year. Like, just compared to any other team in the league, the Chiefs have more continuity in their passing game. And on the other end of the spectrum, the Panthers are just at the very bottom. And we have had some kind of fancy hype for Teddy Bridgewater. You know, what can Curtis Samuel do with the new role and things like that? But it's a good point because, you know, normally we'd have to be concerned with that as it is, but especially in this offseason. Big time red flags. And yeah, just in terms of the rookies, the only two rookie wide receivers that I think I do like and think they present value at their current spot are Henry Ruggs and the Eagles, uh, and with the Eagles, Jalen Rieger. Because at least for them, they're both extremely talented players, but their depth charts are shallow. So most of these guys might even be hard to crack the three wide receiver room uh, to get started, but at least, I I think at a minimum, Ruggs and Rieger can be out on the field as early as week one.
0: So I want to get back to something you said in Uh, You said earlier about the running backs. I have noticed in the best ball drafts, people are just hammering the running backs. Now, we know that running backs are horses in fantasy football. Like, I get that. Why do you think it's even more pronounced this year? I think
1: it's because... Maybe it's just the the way the passing games are going in the league. I mean, there are probably 50 wide receivers, no joke, that you could talk yourself into having pretty good years. I mean, even these like Texans starting wide receivers, you know, Cooks, Fuller, and these guys, they're going wide receiver 30, wide receiver 40 range. We have true breakout potential guys going as like your wide receiver – Forty-five, and meanwhile, running back. I mean, once David Montgomery kind of goes off the board, you just look, and it's like, okay, well, I guess I can get the Miami backfield or the Tampa Bay backfield. Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman are sitting there, but just a bunch of committee backs and a bunch of scat backs uh, at that point. And I think the one thing I've learned uh, at the running back position this year, definitely, like, I want to go high at the beginning and high at the end. I don't want these middle tier carry on johnson type guys marlon mack who they're good running backs but their team has drafted their replacement if that works out and their best case scenario is as a back in this multi uh back committee so multi back committee so give me the dudes in the top 20 picks that we can confidently fire up for 250 plus touches or give me your tony pollard's alexander madison's chase edmonds latavius murray give me the true three down handcokes. I mean, I think we both know that not every committee is created equal. And you know, if one guy gets hurt, a lot of teams aren't going to give the backup the same exact role as the starter. So in those few situations, again, Dallas, New Orleans, Minnesota, and Arizona, some of the only one back backfields in the entire NFL. So I'm doing everything I can to get access to these condensed RB- RBBCs.
0: Wow. So that's really interesting. So you like the guys at the high end. You guys like the guy, you like the guys, uh, at the back end you're just staying away in the middle that's interesting I hadn't heard anybody else say that
1: yeah man and look there's I'm sure some of the dudes will pop off in the middle but you just wonder about the upside in some of these situations I mean Jonathan Taylor I've heard people you know calling him Saquon Barkley-esque I mean that's incredible and running behind that Colt O-line is something else but you look at the history of Frank Reich and like this dude had Melvin Gordon in the first round. He went ahead and played Danny Woodhead over the guy back in 2015. So just knowing some of these coaching tendencies, realizing that as good as some of the rookies are, they're probably not going to unseat the dudes that have proven NFL production ahead of him. I mean, we had that interesting Sean McVay comment a couple days ago where he said the Rams have four good running backs. Now I'm not I'm not quite sure I'm buying into what Sean's saying. I think it's going to be Akers backfield sooner rather than later, but we do have to give credit to the incumbent backups and starters in these backfields, even if the rookies you know have that shine on them.
0: You know it's interesting just while we're talking about this, uh, I got the direct message, we got a direct message to at Ross Tucker Pod. From a Chris T. Chandler. I don't think it's the former Falcons quarterback. uh, Chris T. Chandler. And he he was looking for some professional guidance. We try to help out our listeners every once in a while. He said he's in the five spot. Half team PPR. And everywhere he looks at the five spot. I guess he's been in multiple drafts where he's been there. It's either Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, or Joe Mixon with a half-point PPR, who do you favor there? Again, Ian, it's Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, half-point PPR. I think it's still Dalvin
1: Cook, and I understand the holdout concerns, but one of the big things about this new CBA was the NFL wanted to stop guys holding out for new contracts as regularly as they were so I do think the new rules are you know working in the in the Vikings favor and getting Cook resigned. and I mean I was on a kind of Minnesota Vikings specific podcast about a week ago and talking to their beat writer about it and they brought up the good point that look this is you know not exactly out of the normal for the Vikings to have these star players wanting new deals they almost always get them signed before the season now it might take up through August, won't be uncomfortable, but I'd be shocked if we see Dalvin Cook be in a holdout situation, both because of the CBA and because of the Vikings' history with their star players. And just, you know, Cook's been the easy RB5 all offseason. I'm not going to let these concerns kind of get in the way of that.
0: Let's move to wide receivers a little bit, Ian. And, um, you know, specifically second-year guys. There's a lot of second-year guys. We actually had a pretty good rookie class last year in terms of how they produced there's a lot of guys that are going in a year two who out of that group jumps out to you who do you see perhaps taking another step in their second year
1: i think it's aj brown man and this dude is just something special just had the most efficient rookie season we've ever seen i mean to to average 12 and a half yards per target it's again since the targets began being tracked in 1992 no one has ever been better as a rookie with at least 50 targets and just the way he was doing it i mean it's it's funny with this yards after the catch stat because we hear about you know guys that are really good in it regressing and then guys that are really bad in it oh maybe they're not good so it's i want to know what people really think about it because Personally, I think maybe it's a little more scheme, but more often than not, if someone's racking up the yak, I think it's a good sign they're a pretty damn good football player. And the only person that came close to what A.J. Brown did in terms of yak last season was prime Percy Harvin back with the Vikings. So truly was just doing special things all season long. And yes, the volume is an issue. And we like to say in fantasy football, you know, chase volume, not talent. But I think I'm looking at a perennial top five wide receiver in this league for years to come. When I see AJ Brown, and I just don't want to miss that. You know, I have him right now as my fancy wide receiver nine, which is, you know, quite a bit higher than most in the industry. I think there's a pretty clear top five at the position. But in terms of these second year dudes, I think it's AJ Brown, and then to a slightly lesser extent, Terry McLaurin heads and shoulders above the rest.
0: Well, let's talk about that. Talk about Terry McLaurin because it's funny on Monday's Ross Tucker football podcast, I had Bill Barnwell from ESPN on. And he recently ranked the non-quarterback skill groups for every team, and he had the Redskins dead last. I mean, he 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 feels like the Redskins have the worst collection of skill talent, excluding quarterbacks. Although I'm not sure Haskins would exactly give them a a huge bump there. But the the guy that stands out is McLaurin. I mean, it seems like he could get speaking of volume, heavy volume. Haskins knows him; they're buddies. They don't really have a whole lot else. Could be a huge year. They're probably going to be losing a lot of games. Could be a gigantic year for McLaurin, I feel like.
1: like his target ceiling is out of this world. I mean, even before Kelvin Harmon got the torn ACL, I mean, it it didn't matter. I don't think that would have changed Barnwell's rankings at all. And I'm with you, even adding baskets there but just did an article looking at this because you know we do wonder like okay at what point does being a great wide receiver you know McLaurin's great Adam Thielen's great but at what point does being the only option that defenses have to worry about become an issue and you know in fantasy land it's just not something that's been all that prevalent if you are a wide receiver one getting fed targets you don't even need a great QB I mean it was something like 43 percent of top 24 wide receivers over the last 10 years haven't even had a corresponding a fantasy qb1 so i'm really not worried about the lack of weapons around them because that's going to be more targets for McLaurin and if this was a situation where you know we, we watched the film, McLaurin he was just kind of benefiting from, from some busted coverages and things like that maybe there'd be more concern but this dude was taking it to Darius Slay to Byron Jones like making some of the league's top corners look human for stretches and you know the big concern with Terry last year was he was just going all world mode with Case Keenum under center Haskins came in Just a messy situation. I mean, to throw that dude in the fire, like mid-game against the Vikings, and then, hey, Dwayne, first start, you know, have fun going to Buffalo. It's no wonder he didn't have the best start to his NFL career. But by the end of the season, we had three straight games with McLaurin, just putting up numbers, all with Haskins under center. And, you know, as Barnwell's rankings indicate, they didn't add anyone to this offense really other than Antonio Gibson, their second round pick. And we don't even know if he's a (laughs) RB or wide receiver yet. McLaurin is as locked in as his offense is number one target as any wide receiver in the league.
0: So as I mentioned earlier in the show, right when we started it, Ian, um, I don't know a whole lot about betting on baseball. I know this is good though. At DraftKings, America's top rated sports book, you can place a pregame bet of at least $25 on your home team. And for every home run they hit in that game, you'll get $5 worth of free bets. Why not? It's like you have a prop bet on the game. So bet on the Phillies like you should. Ian, you're probably what, a Cleveland Indians guy? You got it, man. Roll tribe. There you go. You have that 614 number. I knew it. (laughs) Um, And so, anyway, you can bet on your team like the Phillies. Hopefully they hit a bunch of home runs. Either way, You know, football season just about here. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. you got to make sure you use code ROSS when you sign up. You can download it and use the code ROSS no matter where you live. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 in the legalized states. Think about that. Sign-up bonus. 1K. A cool 1,000. Or as the guys would say in the league, a G. You get a G. Just for signing up, just enter your code ROSS when you sign up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match. Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 100 gambler or Indiana 1-800-9 with it. It's funny, Ian, I still remember after my rookie year, you know, there'd be like football camps in the Virginia, you know, Northern Virginia DMV area. And, you know, they pay Redskins to go to them. And I remember being like, how much is it? And the one, because they were asking me to go and the players are like, it's a G. I was like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. So now my wife, I remember telling my wife that, and she's always like, anytime something's a thousand, she'd be like, it's a G, it's a G. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know why it's either a G or a K. I don't know, but it's it's both. So uh speaking of players and quarterbacks and Haskins, I know you've done some work on quarterback mobility and injuries. And I, I'm always fascinated by this. And I wanted to find or hear from you what you found out when you dug deep into that.
1: Yeah. You know, you mentioned before with those best balls over with the guys at fantasy Points, but they have a real sharp uh, Dr. dude working for them, Mr. Edwin Porras. And, you know, he kind of brought my attention to this, you know, and just looking at injuries for when they're happening, these QBs and Rushing QBs only get injured once every 236 designed runs compared to stationary and scrambling QBs getting hurt once every 92 to 93 plays. So this idea that because Lamar, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, I mean, those are only three quarterbacks that had at least 50 design rushes last year this idea they're just gonna get hurt because this can't persist it's just not backed up in any evidence we have and to me it makes sense like why and and, you know especially Lamar and Kyler you see these guys moving on the field they look like the best athlete on the field a lot of times why when they're taking off with blockers is that more dangerous than someone you know like Roethlisberger or Jared Goff sitting in the pocket where defenders can pin their ears back I mean Ross used to be an offensive lineman I'm sure it must have been great to have a quarterback back there that, you you know, even if you weren't perfect on every single play, they can make some dudes miss and, you know, bail you out.
0: Yeah, so it's a good point. I'm glad you brought it up. A couple things on this, right? If, if you're a stationary quarterback in the pocket, you are vulnerable to getting hit from the blind side, which can lead to injuries. And because your legs are locked into the ground – you're very vulnerable for knee and ankle injuries, I feel like, or a throwing motion injury, right? Whereas when you're running, it's really not the running or the injury from running. I feel like it is the volume over time, the impact that that has. Now, I don't think that that should really have any impact on Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. They're young, and if you watch them, they really don't take that many shots. They usually do a pretty good job of getting out of bounds or sliding or whatever. I do think it has had it's taken its toll on Cam Newton over the years. I, I do believe that, and even if his specific injuries you can't point to that, I just think he's not the player he once was because of how vicious he's been. But in fairness. There is nobody else running like him. I mean, maybe Taysom Hill out of the Wildcat, but there's nobody like these quarterbacks that run, none of them are like lowering their shoulder and chucking dudes like Cam was. Even the ones that run, they know to get down, they know to get out of bounds. I think it's a good point. Um, and I'll be curious, you know, I, I said this last year. People, there's like a whole there's like a whole group of people out there, Ian that are like just waiting. They've got tweets in their drafts in their saved folder for when Lamar Jackson gets hurt that they can just hit send, "See, I told you, you just can't do that in the NFL." Like, dude, they're going to come out of the woodwork when <laughs> it Which by the way, if he has a whole other year where he stays healthy again, like he'll eventually get hurt. But if he ha- I mean, if he has two full years where it's it's like, okay, Well, he probably would have gotten hurt if he was in the pocket, too. So I think your point is well taken. I like the data that you have. I think even if you take a vicious shot as a runner, you still know it's coming. You're still able to brace for it. So unless it's a concussion or maybe a shoulder injury, I I, I don't think you're going to have a serious injury. Now, you're going to get – bruised and battered a little bit you're gonna get beat up a little bit but I still think you're more susceptible to injuries that cause you to miss time when you're in the pocket because of the nature of the posture that you're in and how exposed you are when you're about to throw the football
1: yeah it's a good point on seeing the hits coming I mean I'm a big UFC fan and anytime they you know kind of talk to fighters and about getting knocked out They always say you get knocked out from the punch you don't see, not the one that you're able to kind of roll with. So, you know, good stuff there. And, yeah, you know, watching like Robert RG3 back in the day, you know, even Vic, like those guys, okay, they're diving. They're not sliding. Maybe they're a little more reckless with their body. But, yeah, Lamar and Kyler, they're sliding. They're getting out of bounds. The NFL has changed the rules over the years to protect these quarterbacks more than ever. You know, if Lamar just keeps setting single season rushing attempt records like he has the last two years for the quarterback position – yeah, at some point the guy's gonna get dinged up, but is that any more dangerous than again just being the you know statue in the pocket? Probably not.
0: How high is too high for those guys this year to take him in drafts? Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. I mean, a lot of people are expecting a big boost from Kyler Murray. I mean, people, there's MVP talk about Kyler Murray. <laughs> Yeah, man, he flashed
1: that ability at times last year, but I think we're probably still a year away. I know some people have compared the 2020 Cardinals to the 2019 Browns, and as a team, I, I could see it. Like, I don't think the Cardinals are going to shock everyone and go 12 and four this year or anything like that, but in terms of fantasy, I mean, you still got to treat Kyler like anyone's idea of a top five QB, and it's just that rushing floor, and we saw it last season, and Lamar has it, and even Mahomes has it, man, that's the scary part, this dude ran for 22 touchdowns in his last 25 games at Texas Tech, and we started to see when he got healthy again in the playoffs, I mean, that run he had against the Titans for like 25 yards in the end zone, was just absolutely absurd, so These Russian quarterbacks all need to be in the top of the list. In terms of like where in the draft, I'm not getting Lamar and Mahomes most of the time because they're kind of going those top three round range. But I mean, it's Lamar, Mahomes, Dak, Kyler, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson. And then there's a teardrop because I just think that the rest of the league doesn't offer the same sort of dual threat ability. And fantasy football is truly a cheat code. It's like, you know, the receiving running backs and how they change things in football because they give you the RB workload on the ground and also stuff as a receiver. QBs give you all the passing game work and also the rushing stuff on the side. So I would say, you know, especially if you're in a two QB league or super flex or anything like that, try to get one of those top seven scramblers in most drafts you're in.
0: You got to check him out on Twitter. I heart it like cheese it's. He is terrific. He's recently with Pro Football Focus, which is a great job, great opportunity for you. And I believe in a week or two, I'm coming on your show, right? That's right, man. Looking forward to having you. Dude, I got all kinds of O-line rankings, O-line upgrades, downgrades. I think that that is always an underrated aspect of fantasy. I think because of what we talked about earlier in the show – This year, it's especially so because of the limited uh, reps that these guys are going to get together. Don't sleep on the importance of O-line this year. Obviously, I'll give out all my rankings on the Fantasy Feast when we get into Tears of Dolan this year. Tears of Dolan, I can't wait. But also, um, I'm going to talk about it with Ian on his show as well. What's the name of that show, Ian? Yes, yeah,
1: the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We have shows coming out Tuesday and Thursday and some uh, shorter team preview episodes in between. But yeah, man, we'll talk all things online when you're on. That sounds great.
0: Can't wait. It'll be awesome. That'll do it for today's show. Make sure you are going to fantasypoints.com using the code FEAST if you want to get in the best ball draft with me and Joe. And hopefully you already know, I'm giving out a YouTube cameo shout-out to the newest YouTube subscriber that I picked youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And if you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and you get it on your phone, you put in the code Ross, tomorrow I'm announcing who gets my NFL PA card. You can see it. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. It's actually pretty sweet. You can put it in your wallet. Even tell girls you're me. I don't care. Do whatever you want with it. (laughs) Um, Other than that, I'm stuffed. We're done.